So, Ives, could you tell me a little bit more about that, the, the identity issue that you've been thinking about uh, recently? What's, what's your take on it? So um, in my experience working as a counselor, especially, and, you know, even in other areas of my life, um, I've worked with a lot of individuals from a lot of different backgrounds. So I've worked with individuals from very different places, Africa, Eastern Europe, India, Pakistan, Central America, um, even in Far East Asia, Vietnam, Cambodia. And some of the things that I'm realizing is in the culture today, it's really important to be aware and acknowledge someone's cultural background and to try to understand where they're coming from, from their culture. And this is a part of their identity. And what I've come to learn is those pieces of their identity, those pieces of their life, how they've kind of framed themselves and defined themselves are uh, in and of themselves sort of part of it and part of their veneer. And some of that goes very deep beyond being a veneer. And what I like to see and what I've noticed over time is there is an element of a universal humanity that starts to show up with people. This means that we all sort of end up at the same place in some ways, at the core and root of what we are looking at. Um, my work is about helping people uh, develop deep connection with themselves, with others, maybe a higher power. Um, and also a depth of being so that they fully can plumb the depths of, of their core of who they are. So the universal humanity uh, idea is that at the core there, I believe that in many ways, we're contending with similar issues um, of which culture and gender and race and ethnicity, religion, all these things play a role that shape and conform it along with our biology. Um, so what I was uh, discussing recently was I've had this happen a couple times and it has happened recently with a couple of African-American clients where they are sharing a story about their life. Um, they may be from Africa. Uh, they may be from the inner city of New York. Um, yet what starts to happen is in this case, both of these men were sharing about their relationships with their fathers. And the idea here in my work is one of the ways we come at this is we all sort of pick up a script about how we're supposed to live our life. And something that I ran into as a, a phrase or an idea that I ran into a couple of years ago at one of my counselor's offices was when you're writing the story of your life, make sure you're the one holding the pen. Now that's difficult because, you know, as we're growing up, you know, we are influenced by pretty powerful people. So nonetheless, this situation showed up with these men's fathers and one in particular was attempting to live out a particular way of life in his profession, how he saw himself through what his father wanted for him, 
Now, presence seems pretty simplistic, you know, pretty easy to pick up, makes sense. Yet it becomes a very deep operative inside of us that's beyond just we get it in our head. It becomes part of our instinctual being, our emotional being. It, it can even tap into our heart. So these things are very wedded us and we have a particular type of loyalty to these scripts and to the people uh, who have sort of exposed us to their way of being and then their definition of us so this man's story became my story too in this way because i also had a relationship with my father and he was extremely demanding in a particular way he wanted me to show up for myself and how he wanted me to make my way into the world um, for me it was important for him that I became a doctor. And that exerted all kinds of other pressures, school. Um, and that was a big one, uh, getting certain types of grades. So this impacted a lot of a part of my story. And part of trauma, emotional trauma, is uh, being pushed into being something you aren't. And most people, I would say, doing this work with me, have had to fit themselves into a square box and there may be a round peg. And over time, this can wear someone down. And there's a lot of shame that can start showing up because of the fact that they aren't abiding by the family script or the cultural script. I, I, um, one thing that that seems to me to be, and, and I, I'll, I'd love to know from your perspective, this is just an impression or not, but it it seems to me that this this sort of uh, uh, issue that you described, especially in in relation to identity, is very it's a very recent uh, issue, or at least the 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 the. Uh, abundance of cases seems to be very recent. Is that true? Well, the, the uh, awareness of it is definitely now uh, sort of become a deluge and it's important. And I don't intend to disparage it, trust me, um, because I don't think the emphasis was placed on this for many years um, in this way, for sure. Um, and I think what's been good about this is we are now becoming more open to each other's identities and understanding those identities. Um, the challenge becomes wholly seeing that as who we are. We are more than an American who's a white male. We have a lot happening or an African American who came from, uh, Nigeria and is now here. So it is definitely on everyone's radar now. And when that happens, sometimes all of our attention narrows to that one place. Is it, is it the case that some identities are being pushed to be being celebrated more than others? And that could be, could that be a problem as well when, uh, when, you know, some people may, may be seeing their own identity being repressed or being uh, 
uh, dismissed or being dismissed, elected. Yeah. That's a that's a can of worms. Uh, <laughs> I can only again speak from my own experience. Um, I I would say that yes, there are certain. You know, there are certain ethnicities, certain religions, certain races that say all these things, colors, you know, BIPOC would be one, transgender would be another, that are at the forefront in many ways of a lot of social media, political discussion, educate, I mean, all kinds of things. Uh, So this happens, you know, it can also happen with the elevation of the needs for women. Um, and as a white male, we have sort of, in some regards, had this, the limelight, the center of light in this culture. So to make room for others is definitely a challenge. Um, and the it's a fine line. You have to be nimble about uh, how we go about celebrating other cultures at inadvertently the expense of others. Um, Again, it's sort of a dynamic that I've observed, rightly or wrongly, where we sort of take one part of of the discussion and make it the whole. And we cast one particular group as one way with particular merits and another group with not any, not much merit, and it's an unbalanced picture. Do you think there is there is room, or yeah, there's is there room for a reset in terms of uh, of the identity conflict? Is there room for some sort of a maybe not in in the macro uh, state of things, but you know, at least in in the family state, you know, in the families or in the small groups so give me an example of what you're thinking about here well let's say let's say um uh well you mentioned you mentioned a few identity groups and and let's say one of those groups uh, has a, a strong claim that it's being oppressed or attacked by the other group right how to how to reach a state where everyone can start from zero and is there is that even desirable uh like this moment where where people can just say hey you know what we all made mistakes some of us made more mistakes than others but how about we have a like a future where we try not to make any more mistakes instead of a of this which seems to to be the the, the case so many so many times now of constant and permanent conflict between identities? Well, I would, uh, the way I'd look at it is, I don't think we ever start at zero because we're already bringing our history. That's an impossibility. The question is how do we re-examine that history and take what worked and didn't work, understand the hurt that has occurred um, and integrate it into a new meaning and a new way of seeing particular cultures, races, genders, and so forth. It's a requiring of 
it's can be a, a bit of a it's not an easy task because really the goal in the end is is we all would like in some ways i believe is is deep connection and that also means that we have to maintain our own separate identity along a number of lines cultural personal race religion and we also have to coexist as different people so again how do we uh create harmony amongst the groups i think it's um naive to believe that we can get everything on an equal playing field and everything will eventually mirror some uh a sameness an equality everything has its own level of equality and inequality and some sameness so again it's the personal work possibly the group work of learning how to accept and welcome your own situation and where you come from understanding what has happened to you uh as a result of that part of who you are the identity part and then finding ways to heal and integrate the healing into a new meaning of what you you are as a particular identity whether you're christian muslim jewish uh you know a particular race so that you have some modicum of degree of comfort because there's always going to be a tension um, between groups and how do we continue to navigate those groups when it spills over now you did make a comment that it is equal it is difficult for for people who have been oppressed to uh, if they're not if we're not careful um my own religious upbringing has had a history of going through very difficult tragic generational traumatic things and to be able to work through that enough so that we don't uh find ourselves dwelling in a victim place which can happen in the culture and there are many people that have moved beyond that and there are many people have not and sometimes i wonder and it may be what i'm exposed to that on a whole we're struggling with this issue right now and the idea of coming back to zero again seems very naive what to do then when one identity part of that identity is the exclusion or the the or or you know predicts on the attack of the other how, how to how to, i mean you could we could go extremes but even if we don't go extremes like if you get a couple of a uh, religion um identities many of them are they just don't talk to each other right like you, you could you could pick uh situations here and there where things seems to be seem to be uh just out of a, a solution like there's no possibility for for a future because those identities they are fundamentally uh created to exclude the other uh i wonder if they really are fundamentally created to exclude the other now that may be part of the human condition to do that do you think they um, were they were they were originally good but at some point they got corrupted 
right? Okay. They became closed systems as opposed to open systems. Right. I don't, I mean, I could comment on the macro level here of what's happening, which is what I feel like the question is kind of geared towards, which I totally understand. Really, at this point, all I can really speak to or, or choose to speak to is the individual, the micro level, which is a person coming into my office, or I used to do group work where there were groups of individuals in a particular identity, you know, had a particular identity or race. Um, and then they were in a room with other people of other different races. So yeah. white men, and I worked predominantly with men at this point back a couple of years ago, but white men, black men, Christians, Muslims, all in the same room. So you're kind of starting to move out of the personal realm into more of a group realm. And then you have a cultural realm then you have a societal realm. Um, so what I, I guess what I could say um, when you have people bringing to the table particular beliefs, ideas, ideology, and then you have uh, mechanisms that sort of bond them or attach them to particular ways of seeing the world, the work is to help people move through and let go and detach from what it is that doesn't seem to be helping them. If we presume that being more of an open system, yet also recognizing that, you know, you are your own person and that there are boundaries involved here. So you're sort of an open system with an element of closeness to it is again, balance. So when you have a dialogue of, of people in the same room who can feel safe enough to be open, they can start opening, uh, depending on how things are facilitated and the depth of what we're doing, they can start hearing each other and then I'm going to go back to what we started with is they end up connecting generally, in my view, is their universal humanity that we're all in here as humans. Uh, and that's, there's more to be said about all this. Um, and then I, so I want to move from that piece to the individual, because that's what I do right now. And I would like to do more of it in a, you know, larger context, but with an individual, they're continuing more the same thing. Hmm? Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you because it seems to be um, like I don't forget this case of this, this, um, this. Um, I for, I forgot the, the the name of the of the guy, but he was uh, he was uh, an African American journalist who or or act, I think it was a journalist, but he got involved with the KKK because he wanted to understand them. And he would, you know, go to their meetings and he would go to their, their, uh, and like, in, and they would, they would never accept him, of course, but individually he would, he would, you know, be part of their, their uh, inner families, you know, they would go to barbecues. They would go, they would have that, uh, that, uh, um, relationship that the group would not would never allow but the individual yes right i think so, i know who you're talking about i've, I've forgotten his name yeah but that's a kind of a point in that regard about it yes that's that's one way it happened is they befriended each other 
least I guess it was two individuals. You might be, that might be the same. If I'm thinking the same person, yes, they got to know each so. other. They got to know their likes and dislikes and they ended up having similar likes and tastes, you know, whether it was jazz music or blues or, you know, particular ways of seeing the world. They were actually more similar uh, than they realized. And these became connections. And back to this idea of, I think we naturally, in my view, uh, seek connection. And once we start to understand who people are at their core, their core being, we start to open to acceptance of where they're coming from. And that doesn't always mean that we like what they're doing. It just is a starting point. You know, it, it, we very often we come to situations, especially in our relationships and, you know, situations, it could be a marriage, it could be work. We start from a place of where we want that person to be or what we expect that situation to be or want it to be. And if we're not careful, it precludes us from the starting point, which is this is where we're starting right now. And we can't push someone or some situation to the next place in many cases uh, if we aren't able to accept the circumstances and situation and the person for where they are and what's happening in the moment. So your example, uh, in, in, in my clients, there's a number of clients that come to me. They've uh, felt pressure because they're a particular race or they're a particular religion, or they've received bullying because of that, or they've been put in positions they did not like over and over again that became just basically uh, a, a lot of pressure. So the idea is how do we kind of take that part of what they've experienced and then put it in its proper context to the other parts of their life, their upbringing, uh, what they learned from particular individuals, what they picked up in their school environments, what the culture is talking to them about. It's, it's important to have everything within a context. Again, coming back to some themes here, to have the whole being a synthesis of the parts of this. And we're very good, it seems like in the culture, at least in general, at looking at the parts, the important piece is to bring them back together again as a new whole. Is that helpful? Yes, yes, that's very. Well, Valentina, very do you have any questions? You've been silent. What's going yes. on in your head? No, what's going on in my head? I think this is one of the most um, interesting topics we've we've talked about, and it's very relevant today. And I think what was going on in my head mostly is um, like how to find balance between what makes us uh, parts of these groups, you know, what makes us, um, yeah, what you were unique, saying. Unique, maybe Absolutely. unique. Yeah, but, but not unique, part of a group, but then also what makes us unique, you know, right? So, so what, what part of me is the actual core? Is it my uh, religion or my race, or is it all the other context that, that we were talking about? How do we find balance between those things and how do we make that come together, right? Yeah. And when you talk about that, I, I think a lot of the work I want to do, I do with people is move them into the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. 
whatever that is. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is another universal, I think, amongst humanity is a, a desire for some kind of connection to something greater than ourselves. I think cultures, regardless of where, where they come from over the world, have found ways to create rituals and systems maybe, or religions or paths to do that. So what you're talking about, how do we develop balance of recognizing that we're unique and we're also the same? Um, we, we are attempting to differentiate ourselves, you know, as unique, yet we are also part of a whole. That's a good point. Um, where do you see that happen, Valentina, in your immediate life? Um, I don't know. I think it's it's hard for me to answer that because now that you mentioned like the spiritual realm, kind of, it, it makes sense that that would be where everything comes together. Good. But then not everybody like aspires to that yeah not everybody yeah not everybody reaches that and yet there has to be a way in which that balance can be found in a more you know i don't know like basic way right well again it's the idea of connection mm -hmm. at some base level um it's always going to have tension in my view there will always be tension as part of life um, is the tension of trying to live in community and harmony with others. Mm -hmm. um, at least that's been my experience. I mean, I've been around a lot of folks, not just in counseling environments, but in my work environments. Um, I spent a lot of time working in restaurants, which exposed me to a lot of diversity. Um, and I've been in recovery communities where some of those communities are pretty diverse. Um, so sometimes having a common purpose or a common, uh, reason for being together can create that balance and coexistence because there's an overarching movement towards something that most of us agree to. If you're in recovery community, generally the agreed upon goal or, uh, ongoing project is to be sober or to recover from trauma. So all the differences can be worked out, yet everybody can come back together again and find a common uh, sort of uh, uh, place to meet and connect on that. We're all here. Okay, let's just get back to basics. Let's get back to what we're doing here. And this is uh, the purpose of what we're doing in the recovery community. You could even say it in a restaurant, you know, where there's a lot of diversity. We, the common, the common endeavor is to cook the food, create a, you know, make money, create a profit and, you know, create an experience. So everybody's kind of coming together. So these are examples of what you're talking about. That could be many examples. I think it's very difficult in politics because a lot of politics is about power. And right. power is not always about connection. Power is important, yet in politics, 
there's always more than what's happening. Now we could say that every relationship is political in its own sense. And I think there's some, some, some uh, truth to that. So uh, there are areas where it seems more difficult to find harmony. Social media is a platform where it's like almost open warfare sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking speaking of political, and not to, to go into that that, <laughs> not to turn that that corner now, but uh, just uh, like I want to get too far place. down because I feel like we're in a good place in my view. But I'll take one yeah. more question. We'll see where we're at. Yeah, I, I I think like one of the questions that I that I truly um, can cannot find an answer to is, and maybe you can help me is why especially in politics why do so many people prefer to take one side as opposed to no sides so it's easier for them to either pick one or the other and we're seeing that now with uh, not just in the united states but everywhere uh, where where politics are you know they have been very polarizing you know more than any other time and it's it, it I, I still can't find enough people being skeptical about everyone you know just saying hey you know what a is terrible and b is horrible you know they, they will right. always pick one i don't do you have an answer for that well i all i can relay is my own personal experience and i'd rather go into that to another podcast to be honest because that's a really good topic that you know because this is it something is. i've myself had to contend with within myself uh, about, you know, the, even the, how the polarizing of views and political viewpoints has sort of come into my own personal life. So I think it's, it'd be a really good topic and understanding for me uh, what was going on for me, because there's a lot there I think goes on that I'm sure I'm not the only person that, I've, I mean, I know I'm not the only person obviously that is aware of it, but I have my particular view um, from my own experience in my own life and then the people I work with and then the places I've inhabited in my life. I mean, I'm what, 61. So I've been out there, um, attempting to figure this shit out for a long time. And sometimes I feel like I'm better at it than others. Sometimes I think I got it done and then all of a sudden it's not. So that would be a good, good, topic to kind of just throw my two cents in there. I, I will tell you this, that I had a client one time ask me, it must be really hard for your partner to be in a relationship with you because you're a counselor or a therapist or a mentor. And I said, oh, don't worry. She gives me plenty of opportunities to remind me that I'm just human. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Humbling. Humbling. Yes. Yes. And that's the perfect, perfect way to, to close our, our first recording of this, this podcast, which couldn't have been uh, better. I've thank you so much for those who are just listening. You can uh, always uh, go to walk the line now.com to learn more about Ives, about walk the line, about the podcast and all the good things we're doing. Ives, thank you. Thank you, Valentina. Thank you, Rodrigo. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Rodrigo. And Ives.